Context to that? No. It just means we're off and running. <laughs> Good to meet you, Beefworm. G'day. Let's get out. Let's do it. Good movie Monday. Another week of nerdy cinematic ramblings. Um, we're here to chew your ear off for another, I don't know, hour or however long this takes. You know, it's a bit different every week. I think this is this is the second time around for us. So yeah. we can streamline it. <laughs> My name is Glenn Cochran, and fresh from Monster Fest is Ben Helwig. Probably exhausted. Probably tired. Are you? I'm in my 47th hour of delirium. <laughs> Another big week of uh, Monster Fest, or big weekend, I should say. Thursday night's opening night was a banger. I was there. Loved the film. Loved the atmosphere. As always, big turnout. But yeah, you must be just wrecked. I, uh, yeah, look, it's one of those things that unfortunately, when the festival's on, real life doesn't stop. So you just end <laughs> up burning uh, the candle at both ends. That's true. Which is, but it's all part of the fun. We only do it twice a year. That is true. Um, yeah, look, this film that you screened was just amazing. And you know, people listening to this now have missed their opportunity to see it, but it will be screening somewhere down the line on Shutter. It, uh, or... it's, a Rialto, it's a Rialto film, uh, yeah. so it will end up uh, being having a physical and... What was it called? Um, when Evil Lurks. When Evil Lurks, that's right. By a De- a Damien R- R- Rugner. Mm-hmm. Rugner? Rugner? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a Spanish film. It's... Uh, or... South American. I, I'm not exactly sure where it. Uh, Argentinian, something like that. Mm. I don't know. I'm well, really. I've got my finger on the pulse. Wherever it was filmed, it was a place that can do things that American films can't. Yeah, and it was like the the special effects were great. It yeah. had some great, gross moments, some great shocking moments, very shocking, some moments. great funny moments. Yeah, it it kind of really had it all, and I kind of, I was looking back at the filmmakers' filmography, mm. kind of wishing that. Yeah, sometimes when these guys make these films, this is like the first big one that gets picked up, but yep. he's actually made three other films in that kind of universe gotcha. that have been leading to this one with it where he gets a budget. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be the case, but I would love to see more films set in this yeah, in universe. this world. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm just shocked at how they can make such really, really grim subject matter quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> and and look, I think the big, the big takeaway... Mm. And I know, look, you certainly said it yeah. as we were leaving the cinema, but it, it was echoed yep. throughout the night. Like, this is what Exorcist Believer should have been. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Monster Fifth, that's the first weekend out of the way. What else is coming up? We've got a whole week and a bit left. Yeah. Tonight is the only <laughs> night that we're, uh, we don't have anything on. Uh, uh, but, it, uh, yeah, starting Tuesday all the way through to Sunday, nonstop, we've got... Uh, I think there's a there's a couple of Bruce exploitation films uh, cool to play. There's uh, there's, a, there's a couple of docos. There's some there's a, a couple of Canadian films on the chart. The only two films that I haven't seen were the, was the opening night film, and yeah. I haven't seen a suitable flesh, which is I think it's either Thursday Saturday, or Friday. Next or, Saturday, or, or Saturday. Yep, yep. Uh, so I'm looking forward to those to that one. Yep. 
because uh, that one is produced by our uh, old mate and former guest of the show. Brian Yuzna. Brian Yuzna, yeah. As well and as being written by Dennis Paoli. Paoli. And now That's these right. are the two guys that gave us Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak. Like they, these are the two guys mm. that you know really gave us that 80s um, Lovecraft stuff. Yeah, so uh, really looking forward to that. There is also there's the uh, Mancunian Man that Jake West directed, the... Uh, the <laughs> The greatest filmmaker that never was in the in the UK. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. He's a what's he? What, his first book was Tuxedo Warrior because he's a he was a bouncer by trade, and That's so he, great. That's but then great he name. decided to write a book, and he wrote a book called Tuxedo Warrior. He got optioned, and they made this film in the eighties, yeah. so director video kind of fodder. But they offered him a like a a um, a bit part in it. Mm-hmm. And he saw how they did. He was like, "Fucking hell! I'm just gonna. I can do this." <laughs> and then he just started making his own movies. See, this shits me, right? I love the stories, but it shits me when you get these filmmakers that say they started because they just thought, "I can do that." Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, once you see how it's crack. done. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm confident I could do that. I just never have. Yeah. You look, know. I think. I mean, look, I don't know how I don't know about other people, but I kind of I I did go to I didn't do at a film school. I went mm. to a, to to Deacon, which had a film department. course, yeah. a film department, and I did it for a year and a half. And I was like, all right, <laughs> what I'm what I'm sensing from this degree is if you want to make films, you make films. Yeah, you don't go to school. No, that's correct. That <laughs> I mean, is correct. Like like you can go to school, and it does expose you to. You know, new different kinds of films and film theory and film criticism and stuff like that. But really, you should already have. Mm. You should have a lot of that. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, this is not to discredit those filmmakers that are listening that have been to film school. Like I've been to film school too. But you listen to a lot of the big players, right? And they will always tell you, like, you don't learn from film school. You learn from doing. Yeah. Like that's where you learn. You grow. You, everyone starts off not knowing shit. Anyway, yeah, getting anyway. sidetracked there. Yeah. Uh, but. The closing night of the festival is the Emu War. Now, this might be shaping up to be my favourite comedy of the year, without a doubt. Like, it's just funny as all fuck. Um, and it does feature the horniest man in Australia. Uh, <laughs> well, the former, the former <laughs> horniest man in Australia, shall we say. Uh, and um, the reason uh, I bring that up right now is because our guests on this episode are... Lisa Feinberg and Jay Morrissey, two of the writers and directors from the Emu War. Lisa's also one of the stars, and um, we pick their brain about it. You get to sit in on this one, mate. I do. It's a good time. I was allowed in. I, <laughs> this is one of the few times where I sat in the Zoom waiting room and you uh, clicked that, that button to let me in. <laughs> I didn't. The publicist the did. The publicist did. Yeah, that's, she, that poor woman. She just didn't know any better. <laughs> You didn't disappoint either, mate. So you'll hear that in a little bit. The the movie's just outrageous. You do want to catch this one. The music that's playing right now underneath us is called... um, It's music from a game. It's called Spike 2, The Great Emu War. No relation to the movie. It's just a video game that... It's the only emu-related music I could find. Are there actual emus? Did you play the game? No, but I think it is the emu war game. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but it's one of those self-produced games that the guy's made by himself. And I just, I just love that the emu war is like a legit... Like moment in Australian history, I know that the press, like it was dubbed that by government, <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was about it's an emu cull, yeah, that's all. It and was. then the press just went to town on it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but also coming up today, Jarrett's going to just uh, drop in for some updated news on physical media and what's coming out and all that stuff. A little pre-recorded Monster Fest thing because uh, he's, he's he couldn't he hasn't got time to. No? We're busy bees. Yeah, I'm amazed you've got time, and he really obviously doesn't have time. <laughs> 
I didn't have time. I, I, I made time. <laughs> That's right. And of course, the three guys from the Bonehead Weekly podcast will be coming up in a bit to give us their Kentucky version of Nerdy Cinematic Ramblings. Uh, what else, Ben? We went and saw Killers of the Flower Moon last week. The new Martin Scorsese, uh, would you call it Snorefest or would you call it Boarfest <laughs> or would you call it Masterpiece? I don't know. It's good. It's yeah. long. Look, it's it's great. I think, But I think he, you know, in typical Scorsese fashion, he crammed a lot of stuff in there uh, that he probably should have had a producer there saying, you know, <laughs> Keep this for its own film, mate. Rain it in, mate. Rain it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did look, I think it's a very interesting film, and I, I thought it was really interesting from a, a Leonardo DiCaprio perspective because he basically plays a kind of naive, stupid character mm-hmm. who's it's very a easily a led. He's a simpleton. A simpleton. Yeah. He's not really sympathetic. It's not even like in a sympathetic way, um, it's, it's kind of in a repulsive way. Mm. Very interesting role, and yet he's he is the hero of the film. Kind he, of, he was offered the role of the bureau guy, the Jesse Plemons character, and right. he wanted none of that. He wanted he that's, wanted the lead role. <laughs> well, it's a funny thing for Jesse Jesse Plemons, like because it's still a pretty minor role. Well, the Jesse Plemons character, if I'm not mistaken, people can correct me. I think he's the main character in the book because the love story doesn't exist in the book. Right, and I've seen a featurette of Scorsese saying he wasn't that interested in this movie until. He found an angle, and it was the love story. To be honest, I would prefer the FBI procedural angle. Yeah. I think the murders themselves are what appeals to me in this movie because it is a murder investigation story. Yeah. And um, so it, much of the other stuff is just he's pulled, exposition. He's pulled a Titanic. He's just put yeah. a love story in the middle of this true story. Yeah. Um, but look, you know, the love story in, in and of itself, if you love melodrama, that's you know it's good and all. It, it's such a weird. <laughs> it's such a some of the the stuff that. That DiCaprio's character does, and you're like, is it a love? St-? Like, yeah, I know it's not. It's yeah. Let people discover yeah. that for themselves. It's, it's, I it's, guess yeah. The, when, when you come back from was he because he comes back from the war from World War One, I, I yeah, believe yeah, that's right. So maybe you know he's just uh, blunted. Well, he to claims human he claims even sort of. I mean, we're not going to give stuff away, <clears> but he claims that he literally he legitimately fell in love. Yeah, but he was also had his you know his arm twisted to to speed things along a little bit just yeah. for the. The benefit of his uncle, uh, Mr. Robert De Niro, who's great in this. I thought he was really good. Um, well, it's a, but there's, there's 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 one point in the film, not to give too much away, where he's kind of doping his wife because she's mm. too outspoken against the, the murders that are happening. Yeah. And, you know, there are powers that be that kind of want to slow her down. So he's given this, she's got diabetes, he's given this insulin <laughs> and he's given someone to mix into it. Yeah. That, you know, this will just slow her down. Just slow her down a bit. And he, throughout, throughout the thing... They make out that he he's just this you know, innocent, like he doesn't know what he's doing, and he doesn't know. Yeah. But then there is a scene where he doesn't <laughs> give it all to her; he takes some himself, and it turns out to be heroin or something yeah. that they're putting into it. Yeah, <laughs> so he completely knows what it is; like he's <laughs> taking it himself. Yeah, it's a weird character in a weird yeah. direction. Anyway, so there you go, Killers of the Flower Moon. Look, it's at the cinemas, and just it's be a, prepared. Like you know, it's an Apple film. No intermission. By Paramount. If you do need to take a piss. Um, they're not going to help you out. There. Bring a bottle. Just pick your moment. Pick your moment. Yeah. I win. I did take a piss and I did get a chocked up and apparently I'm informed I missed something. I think you missed some killings. Oh, well, you know, I'm not going to go back to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you watch it again, you be like, I can't even tell what part I missed. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, it's a 100 minute film spread out into like an yeah, almost tight, four tightly, hour film. Tightly compressed into a four hour film. 
Um, hey, we've got more things to chat about, but let's throw it to Jared. He's, he's recorded a little bit of a, a segment for us in lieu of our three-way chat. <laughs> There's always time for a three-way, Jared. <laughs> hey, this is Jared, and welcome to PE Class. Now, I'm reporting remotely this week as I'm actually at Monster Fest. It's happening right now in Melbourne and uh, unfortunately I can't be there to talk with the lads because I'm too busy talking with the attendees at the festival and catching some great genre cinema. But anyway, what is out on home entertainment this week? Well, luckily for the folks that are interstate and are waiting Monster Fest to arrive from October 27th to the 29th, there's some horror titles coming out just in time for the spooky season. And all of these titles are coming out from ViaVision. First up, we've got the Army of Darkness Collector's Edition. This is a three-disc Blu-ray set that includes all three cuts of the film, as well as an abundance of special feature content. Next up is Grindhouse Limited Collector's Edition. Now, this is a four-disc Blu-ray set that not only includes the Grindhouse cut of the film, which is Planet Terror and Death Proof, but also includes the extended editions of both films, along with all the special features that have been released on countless releases before, all amassed onto this one very release. The next release is Sam Raimi's Drag Me To Hell. This one's coming out as a two-disc Blu-ray set. It's got both cuts of the film, plus new and archival special features. That's right, ViaVision have actually gone to the effort of creating new special features for this release. So if you already own the Scream Factory release from the US, it's worth double dipping for the extra features on this release. Then the last release from ViaVision in the Key of Horror is the Stephen King Collection, an 8-disc Blu-ray set that includes Needful Things, Secret Window, Riding the Bullet, 1408, The Mist, and Bag of Bones. Now, the last distributor I will mention that's releasing titles this week, none of which are horror films. However, one of the films did actually play Monster Fest last year. That film is The Cost, which is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. We've also got the Michael Gadinsky documentary, Ego, The Michael Gadinsky Story, and that one's getting a Blu-ray and DVD. Good to see another Australian music doco getting a Blu-ray release. Then the last release is one that's been, well, coming for a really long time, and I dare say there was a holdback because it became a Stan exclusive, and that's Nitrum. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Anyway, folks, that's it for me this week. Back to Monster Fest. So until next time, stay physical. Sad news this week, Ben. We've had two Masters of Horror fall off the perch. Very, yeah. very sad. Anthony Hickox was the first to go. Big blow to me. Like, as people that have seen our videos will probably know, two of his films loom over my shoulder every single week. So I've got Warlock Armageddon behind me. I've got Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth behind me. These are posters that have uh, they've been with me through thick and thin, mate. So Anthony Hickox is this filmmaker that I have adored for many years. Back in the old podcast days, we referenced him all the time died at the age of 64 way too young yeah just in his sleep is that the i don't know no information has been given the uh the news wasn't even made that public it was a friend of the family that that revealed it and in fact i found out from peter atkins the guy who wrote hellraiser 3 um but yeah look this guy has made some great movies he's very famous for his waxwork one and two films those waxwork are they're great they're great uh, full Eclipse, he did one called The Vampire in Retreat, Submerged. One of my favourites, actually, is a Dolph Lundgren film called Jill Rips, which um, I don't oh, think gets enough mention. He, yeah, he did that I've got, one. 
I've got that on tape. That's like a, a female modern Jack the Ripper film with a yeah, female. I don't know what you'd call her, but she's a psycho. She's a, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, um, but also only a few days later, the legendary Jeff Burr. Now this is a guy that um, right he's in, the one who died in his sleep. He, I believe, he died in his sleep. Yeah. I think it might have been a stroke. Um, right. But like, wow! Talk about you go back to the early days of fake Shemp before Good Movie Monday he's like one of the first three interviews I ever did he has sort of been in my DMs ever since he loves to know what's going on he'd always chat Jarrett came onto the scene because of that interview as well as the Fred Decker one so he's someone that's sort of he's actually responsible for the the majority of your adult social life he certainly is he certainly (laughs) is without a doubt him Fred Decker and Everett DeRoche and he did some great off-colour stand-up comedy (laughs) Oh, hang on. Is that Bill Burr? Yeah, it's a good thing Jeff Burr had a good sense of humor, mate. <laughs> uh, this guy directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Leatherface, uh, Pumpkinhead 2, Stepfather 2, Puppet Master 4 and 5, From a Whisper to a Scream with I think Vincent you'll find Price. It's, uh, pumpkin Face too. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Presley's one that uh, not many people have heard of, but no, this is I a film haven't. that was a passion project for him. Dwayne Whitaker, a guy from Pulp Fiction, is the lead actor, but it also features Bruce Campbell and Quentin Tarantino together in a in a performance as orderlies. Um, it's just a strange. Which film. I mean, that makes it, it makes it really odd to me that Bruce Campbell hasn't been in a Tarantino film. Um. Well, he was. Yeah, he He's was. He's been in the orbit. Tarantino knows him. Tarantino writes for people he knows. He's been in a Tarantino Presents film, but not a Tarantino film. Yeah. Because he was in From Dust Till Dawn too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I mean, yes, it's the whole Scott Spiegel connection with those guys mm. and Sam Raimi. Like they actually all like Tarantino was in that world. I don't think we'd have a Tarantino without a Scott Spiegel. Yeah, and we wouldn't have a Scott Spiegel without a Sam Raimi, and we wouldn't have a Bruce Campbell without Sam Raimi. Like, yeah. Or we wouldn't have a Sam Raimi without Bruce Campbell. That's true. Either way, what's evil dead without Ash? Whichever way you cut it. Anyway. Very sad news. Anthony Hickox, Jeff Burr wanted to give a little bit of a mention and shout out to those guys. We'll be missed, like for sure. Um, I know I will not stop talking about their work. All right, but moving on, picking things up, mate. We put more questions to our listeners over the last week. <laughs> I love doing this. It provides content. It means we can interact with people and talk about movies. So the question this week, in the spirit of the, the emu war that we'll be talking about later... What are your top three Aussie comedies? Simple. Put it out there. I'm surprised. There's a few leaders. Like there's a, like there's a few movies really vying for the top spot here. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of unexpected, but also a little bit predictable. So let's go with the first one off the <laughs> off the rank. Matthew Holmes, the guy who's filmed The Cost, is uh, out now on Blu-ray or almost out on Blu-ray. He reckons Hercules Returns. Nice. The Castle. Nice. Mary and Max. Really? Yeah. He hmm. used to be an animator, remember? A stop-motion animator. He's responsible for those um, Schmackos commercials and I think Louis the Fly. Who, Mary and Max guy or No, Matthew, Matthew Holmes. Holmes. Yeah, Matthew right. Holmes, yeah. A lot of those famous commercials, he's the guy that did them. Yeah, right. Before he went into features. So that's not surprising as far as Mary and Max. The Castle, I thought that was going to come up. Yeah. S- someone had to bring that up. I actually prefer The Dish. <clears throat> Me too. I was going to say that um, in the chat. So I was going to say, look, yeah. you know, I think The Dish is the better film here. Maybe not as hilarious. It's not as funny, no. It's just a, it's a better drama. Yeah. It's a better story. It's a true story with a lot of humour, working yeah. dog style. 
But yeah, Brody Kane, long-time listener. He's been a um, follower of this show since episode one. He reckons Crackers, which is that Aussie Christmas movie. Who's that guy in it? Who's oh, the guy from... He's yeah. Elf from the UK. He was in like... Yeah, I don't know. Like one of those famous... But Peter Rosebaum was in it. And yeah. I remember that. And I remember the old the old uh, couple having a root in the back shed. That was funny. <laughs> but he also reckons Chopper, which Chopper. I've never really thought of as a comedy, but it, it is. But it totally it is. It is. Like, yeah. I know it is, but you know... It's I like, just... But it's like The Magician is a comedy. Yeah, that's right. It's just a, a dark a comedy. A dark comedy, yeah. Yeah. Um, operating within a crime yeah. sort of genre. And then Cracker Jack, which you know, Cracker Jack's a banger. Like I've revisited that recently. That's the Mick Malloy film, and it is a it is good. It's a Cracker Jack. <laughs> good comedy. It's a Cracker Jack film. Uh, our listener Lindsay Morgan reckons Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Getting Square. Getting Square. See the only the funny thing about Getting Square is the only funny thing I can remember about that film is that da- is David Wenham. Yeah, yeah, playing the bogan. Playing the bogan, and when he <laughs> when he cons the people in the court out of like bus money and yeah. lunch money, like uh, it's hilarious. Yep. But I don't remember Sam Worthington cracking a joke at all, or no. like anything else in that film. It's one being of those comedic. It's, well, it's it's the comedy like Dirty Deeds. There's a whole lot of these movies where it's like Chopper, like it, it yeah. operates within a different genre and but happens Chopper, to be funny. Chopper had a lot of comedic moments in. in it. I'm, not, I'm not saying Getting Square doesn't. Yeah, I just don't remember. Like Chopper has a number of things in it where you're like, that was funny. And this is this is what I find interesting because yes, hilarious, but that is all coming straight from the real Chopper's personality, right? Yeah. And he was a scary figure in real life who had charisma. So yeah. you could look at it just as a drama because they're depicting his character as is. Yeah. It just happens he's to be... He's just a funny person. He's a yeah. funny person. It's like, well, it, I mean, it's like something like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which I didn't, I don't, I didn't find particularly funny yet. It is about... You know Chuck Barris, and it, the situation is yep. like amusing. Like it's a you yeah, know, a talk show host that's an undercover agent for the CIA or whatever it <laughs> is. Like it's a you know, but uh, you know it's just it was done differently. That's right. Uh, we had Stan Stanley who commented last week on the show, um, the club. That's a great comedy. That is that's the getting into my top. That's that's my number one. Is it really? Yeah. Interesting. That's my f- number one favorite Australian. It comedy. is a great film. Is it John Howard? In that as the young yeah, player, John Howard, yeah. Graham Kennedy, um, Jack Thompson, Jack Thompson, all about the Collingwood Football Club and the the politics that goes on <laughs> yeah. with this new recruit. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, also, the castle. So the castle sort of coming in a bit of a Again lead here, there. and he died with a falafel in his hand, which I I put on in the video store, but never really, never really did anything for me. However, I used to think that this was the third chapter in the Danny Emblin trilogy. So you had the year my voice broke and flirting. Because it's Noah Taylor Noah in both Taylor, those. Yeah. And then this film came along. And before I saw it, I noticed on the credit roll, his name was Danny. The character was Danny. I'm like, oh, finally, we've got Is this. The, the long-awaited third installment. And it wasn't. Because I thought it was connected to that uh, that Cane Toad movie that came a couple of years Later, you know, I don't. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah. I don't know if it is connected with anything, but um, is it? I think it was it maybe it's based on a is novel Richard by the Lowenstein that directed it. Uh, very, very possibly. I, think I don't actually be. remember, but it's based on a book. Yeah, from memory. Totally. Which I think that the cane, the cane toad one was based on a book by the same guy. Maybe, maybe that's the connection. It is Richard Lowenstein. Okay, so then <laughs> um, <laughs> Cameron Doncaster weighed in. <laughs> And I think this is a pretty good selection. Um, not many people will agree with this first one, but I'm kind of inclined to go with it. Les Patterson Saves the World. I think that's a fantastic a movie. Earth. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Muriel's Wedding, which also is... Also a great comedy. Is a good movie. <laughs> Here's one for you. Number 96, the movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, I forgot that had a movie, but that is a sexy, sexy show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to watch the movie. Yeah. It's, yeah you, well, I don't think you can watch the complete series. I think they're lost. No. There's a lot of lost stuff with that. So but, here uh, comes some... Uh, here, see what's taking the lead after this one. So we've got Sandy Platt suggested The Castle mm-hmm. and Cracker Jack. But then Fifty First Dates. Now, I don't think that's an Australian film at all. Unless I'm mistaking it for something. Fifty First Dates. Is that the, the Adam, Adam Sandler? Sandler? Yeah. Maybe it was made here. Maybe. Because sometimes you look up Australian films and these American ones pop up just because oh, there's... It's set in Hawaii. Yeah, because sometimes there's Australian money behind them. But yeah. I, don't, I think that's... Maybe she's thinking of a different film. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe it's Dating the Enemy or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Oh, yeah, it's not a bad one. So then I put the question to the Good Movie Monday team as well. And so far, not everyone has contributed to this, but um, we've had Jarrett weigh in with uh, Around the World in 80 Ways. Yeah. And that's got that great post <laughs> with a banana. Yeah. <laughs> Reckless Cali. Nice. And They're a Weird Mob. Now, They're a Weird Mob is right up there for me. Like, it is a funny, funny movie. Yeah. It's not in my top three, though, but it's... It's, a- it's a, like, if you haven't seen it, it's very, very similar to that series of commercials that How to Speak Australian <laughs> commercials. It's about an immigrant that comes to Australia and is just a fish out of water and yeah. doesn't understand any of the colloquialisms. Or the, yeah. And how friendly people can be until you're not um, on board and then they turn on you. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want a beer, you're the enemy. <laughs> <That's right>. Yeah. <laughs> Which, funnily, funnily enough, is a is a motif that runs through Wake and Fright as well. Yeah, totally. It, he, it was a thing in Australia. Yeah. Like, you know, mateship was a big thing. And people want you to be their mate immediately. Yeah. And if you reject an offer like a beer... Yeah, well, you're too good to... Too yeah. Bloody too good to drink with you, are you? That's mate? right. <laughs> bloody... Well, yeah. they, they, you know, someone... I mean, it leads right into the tall poppy syndrome, and which is also a great totally, Australian trait. Totally. And it's the whole, like, um, I'm going to buy you a beer. Unaware... That uh, you've got to shout the next one. Like yeah. you, you just get roped into it. Yeah. There's no such thing as a. <laughs> no there's no actual thing as a free beer. No. Uh, Chloe weighed in with two hands, which nice. that's another one that operates on two genres. Yeah. Uh, the castle. Yeah. And look, she admitted this to me privately, but not in our group. The nugget. Jesus Christ. Now that's, Chloe. That, that that relates to something I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. But that's Bill Bennett. I love Bill Bennett's films. You know, I don't think that's his best one. No, that's an interesting one. Barely qualifies as a film. Peter Moon's in there. Yeah, and uh, Dave O'Neill. Well, I think I think Chloe's leaning towards that one because she interviewed Dave O'Neill on her other podcast. Right. So she's got a soft spot for it. And then we had Malzy come in with the castle. So the castle's clearly they, taken they, the lead. They, yeah. And Chopper. But she didn't give a third one. Yeah, the directive was three. She could only, she could only <laughs> think of two. And then we had Chad from Kentucky. Came in with an uns- unexpected nomination of frauds. Yeah. Which is Which the is Phil Collins surprise. film yeah. directed by Stephen Elliott who did, went on to do Priscilla. Um, maybe that's more well-known in the States than it is here. Or yeah. he maybe he's just all over it. It's, I, 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 would be, I would have been less surprised if he had said Horseplay. Which is favourite Australian <laughs> comedy. He also said Rams, which is the um, the remake of the, uh, is it the Swedish I, film. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Rams is great. Michael Caton and Sam Neill about the sheep farmers. Oh, okay. And two brothers living next door to each other and they're estranged. They don't talk. Um, I just figured it was another Charlie and Boots, so I didn't feel it. <laughs> now need look, to watch it. the original foreign film is incredible, but this is a really interesting way of making it Aussie. And a sheep disease breaks out, and they have to um, kill all the sheep in the region because you know quarantine and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But the, one of the brothers can't get rid of his prized merino and yeah. tries to hide it in his house, but he 
has the problem of lots of visitors. So yeah. it's a comedy of errors. Um, very, it's a very good film, and I, I understand why Chad loves it. Sam yeah. Neill and Michael Caton work really well together. And then he said Priscilla Queen of the Desert. You know what I'm surprised that didn't get mentioned by anyone? What? Crocodile Dundee. That's like, one of mine. It's one of yours. Yeah, it's, like, it's an odd. Let's talk about mine in no particular order. Crocodile Dundee is one of oh, them. Hang on, you forgot my uh, my three that I mentioned in that group chat, which isn't my. Oh, real... no, I'm coming to you. Oh, I'm coming to you. Okay. Yeah, I got to do mine, and then I was going to throw to yours. Oh no, no, I don't mean my real ones. I mean just the ones I put in the chat. Oh, would you like to do that? <laughs> Go on, Streslecky, anyone? <laughs> yeah. What was the other one? It was uh, the <laughs> the Bermagui Bronze. Yep. Ron's Barney. Yep. And and uh, Kelvin, son of Melvin, son of Elvin. Oh, so it wasn't Streslecki at all. No, there's no way you can spell. Have you ever tried to spell Streslecki? <laughs> but, I mean, that's the nice way to tie it all in with you know, the castle and Cracker Jack, yeah. really. It's, yeah. You know, some Tony Martin gold in there. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm actually surprised that, I mean, once again, it's sign of the times, that, that Don's party didn't get mentioned. Yeah. Either. I guess a lot of people don't know it anymore. Like, you know. Is it just like a forgotten films? They, they did a sequel um, play about 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. But I'm surprised that didn't get adapted. Yeah. I reckon today it's a different political climate. If you were to produce that, I, I think you'd just have people that love it and people that hate it, and there's no mutual. Because that's the thing about the original, right? It's about the political divide at a party. Yeah. But people from both sides came and enjoyed that movie. You know, yeah. It didn't matter what you thought. People enjoyed it because they relate to yeah. that. Now it's like, no, nah, like, <laughs> yeah, lynch them if they hate it, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. Anyway, my three, and then I'll throw to yours. I've got Crocodile Dundee, but I did that tied with me with Young Einstein. Yeah, because I love Young Einstein. I think it's a very, very excellent comedy, and it aged well. But then I've got Kenny. Right, I can watch Kenny any day of the week, and I still laugh out loud. I think it's a genius film. And then my number one, this is the one that is irrefutably number one, has to be The Big Steel. Yeah. That's my number one. Yeah, that's my number two. Oh, excellent. I don't yeah. think I don't think rom coms get much better. Like teenage rom coms, you know, there's a lot of great John Hughes movies and America does it well, but I think yeah. Nadia Tass nailed it with the yeah, big steel. A hundred percent. And but look, I'm a big believer in the quality of a film is judged strictly by the amount of lines <laughs> that you can repeat afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And the big steel has possibly the greatest, the greatest line in comedy history. Where I'm trying to think of what it is, what go it for is. it. It's when it's when a very drunk Steve Bisley is it blowing his? No, he gets arrested by the female police officer. He goes, "Jeez, check out the tits on that bloke." <laughs> right before blowing here. Right before. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing like suspenders. Yeah, oh, he's wearing um. He's wearing, he's wearing lingerie. stockings yeah. and high heels. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> he's got a blow-up doll. It's hilarious. Oh, it is. Um, the Cedric, that's a good one in the there. Cedric, um, yeah. Oh, it's just a jag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is just one of my all-time favourite Australian films. It's one of my favourite rom-coms. The soundtrack is fantastic. It's a real slice of the time. I'm taken right back to the 90s when I watch it every yeah. single time. And, um, and you know... Seemingly now, Australia's real realistically Australia's most successful export is uh, Damien Herriman, and he uh, has a and has, Ben Mendelsohn. And well, Ben Mendelsohn's coming back, but I feel like I feel like just under the current, yeah, Damien Herriman is just in everything. Yeah, Herriman's the one that the Americans don't know is Aussie. Yeah, um, Mendelsohn though, I think they've cottoned on to him. Yeah, you know because he's a bit more the prominent. Thing, I mean, he's funny because he had virtually disappeared 
he'd gone he was playing you know third fourth string kind of parts in in a lot of stuff because he's had his you know he's had his fair share of you know personal problems yep but then he pops up in killing killing me softly well, which I didn't even think was that great of a was, film. It was Animal Kingdom that put him on the American map, right? Because yeah. Jackie Weaver had won the Oscar, so everyone was interested in this film. But here's something for the like people that are not Australian that are listening. Ben Mendelsohn had a very long career in Australia before he broke into yeah. America. He was the lead in so many films in as a teenager, right? The Big Steel, Metal Skin. Um, he was the, the, Ar- the, the Street Murders. The Year My Voice Broke. Like he. He was just a very prominent figure. Spotswood. Absolutely. I met him once when he was promoting Metal Skin. I was doing work experience at Triple R. Right. He was a bit of a cunt. Let's just put it that way. But he was he, also absolutely in the prime of his drug-addled, you know, yeah. stardom. Well, he look, he used to come into alternate worlds all the time. And yeah. there's the, there was always the urban, <laughs> the rumor that he one time he came in, he asked to use the toilet. And they, in the back... And, the next person who went in after he, was, he did not flush and just left this gigantic, <laughs> gigantic turd in the bowl. That's an exclusive right there. That's there, yeah. <laughs> Hear it only that's on a, Good Movie Monday, a, everyone. It's a heroin shit. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's you getting off heroin because yeah. heroin makes you constipated. Well, in the, anyway, there you go. So Ben Mendelsohn was a big deal in Australia for a long time and now he's the prime. He's making Spielberg films and he's Star in, Wars films. He's in Star Wars, yeah. He's in... You know, is he in? Is he was he in Indiana Jones? No. Was he one of the guys chasing him? No, no, no. But he's in that caliber of film now. He's got a new serial killer movie out. Anyway, so that's it. What are your is top three? Well, my top three: the club is number one, Big, Big Steel is number two, and number three. Look, it can go a lot of ways, and I'm just going to mention it because it hasn't been mentioned. Yeah, but I thoroughly, thoroughly rate Sweet Talker with Brian Brown. <laughs> You've mentioned it a few it's times. A, it's such a. It's not even like a real laugh out loud comedy. It's just like a light drama. Yes. But I fucking love it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, a notable mention to me before we throw to our song would be Manny Lewis, the the Carl Barron rom-com. Um, that when, back when we did Fake Shemp, we had awards every year, like best film, we'd award them, just give them something. And Manny Lewis was my film of the year. Like it is a really underrated movie and I implore everyone to go check it. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't mention The Crack or... Uh, There's too many. This is the thing. Too There's many too Australian, many. Too yeah. many great Australian comedies. I mean, I'll even say... We didn't even like do um, Barry McKenzie. Or, or, That's right. Or... Uh, um, I mean, we, we did... We mentioned that Don's Party didn't get a mention, mm-hmm. but... Uh, like a lot of those movies from that era. Mm-hmm. Alvin Purple, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Alvin Purple. Yeah. Yeah. That's There's your, just yeah. so many. So many. But I just came back to the comfort films. The ones I can watch... On repeat and do. Yeah. Yeah. Big Kenny for the win. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> 
story about hungry town Where the men love men and women kiss the ground I got my hat and a dollar bill was uh, Hungry Town by a band called Big Pig um, and I resorted to playing that one because it's from the Young Einstein soundtrack talking about all these funny Aussie comedies and well, I, I really wish you would have uh, played uh, Up There Kazali from the club <laughs> had, I known, it, except, had I known except it seems to have Collingwood yeah, connotations yeah, which I don't appreciate don't want that's that. the worst thing about the club the best thing about the club is that it's a fantastic film the worst thing about the club is that it's about Collingwood I was about to say we don't need those listeners but Melzy's one of them so <laughs> <laughs> sorry Melzy oh, I know you've listened to this too well, so she, she can take it they just won the grand final she, they can suck up a little bit <laughs> that of is criticism right. but Young Einstein is one of those Aussie comedies that um, has rewritten history like Young Einstein that's why I chose that song but um, let's talk about the emu war and I love it when the Aussies rewrite history. The other great comedy was, of course, um, Wills and Burke. Wills and Burke, yeah. Which you know, Umbrella have released it on DVD. And if you watch it and you have a, let's just say, a modern uh, social sensibility, that's going to offend you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love about it. I just um, any of those, you know, was it Dad and Dave on our selection? Oh, all of those. Yes. Uh... This is the thing. Like, we could tangent this forever. Yeah. We really could. Um. Was it all of those, all of just about every Bruce Spence yeah. movie, Stork and <laughs> Dimbula, Dimbula, Midnight Spares, <laughs> Stork. Yeah, anything, anything with David Argue in it is problematic. Pandemonium, we didn't mention. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, that has to be classed as a comedy, surely. Oh, those, um, what is it? The, oh, which I can remember his name. Is it Hayden Keenan? Did, yep. um, Going Down and, oh, he did, he no, did, he did Pandemonium, Pandemonium and Going Down. Which yeah, has right. got the greatest... And that, look, it's got one of the greatest comedy scenes in Australian cinema history with David Argue on roller skates in a bar getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you know, I don't like to talk favorably about David Argue anymore, but that I've got to give him chops. Like, that is it's just pretty funny. one of the great moments. But whatever happened to this Emu War movie that John Cleese, Rob Schneider and Jim Jeffries were making together? Yeah. It just kind of went nowhere. Went away. It was a big deal. If you Google um, Emu Ward John Cleese, you will probably find a photo of him and Rob Schneider like getting very chummy because they're about to launch into this Emu War film, which I... <laughs> I mean, know, that's the pairing that I... I... But Jim Jeffries as well? Yeah. Well, yeah. I just imagine that if that film happens, it would be much more of a, 
a British type of film. Like it is. I don't think the emus would fight back. I just think well, it'd be a comedy of errors John, on the British side. Surely John Cleese is playing one of the emus, right? I reckon he'd be a general, wouldn't he? He'd be the army general. No, he'd be an emu <laughs> in the prosthetics. <laughs> I don't reckon it would be that kind of movie. I reckon no. it would just be from a military point of view how they've overreacted and declared yeah. war against emus. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the emu or the uh, the, sc- the film that's screening at Monster Fest for closing night and this film has to be seen to be believed. If you watch the trailer, you get a, just a little bit of a taste of what it's all about, but you really do have to dive deep into this to really get the comedy. Yeah. And it was it started <laughs> it's it started clever. it started its life as a as a web series. They got funding from Screen Australia for a web series, but it was just so good that uh, they turned it into a feature film. Yep. And um, you're about to hear from the creatives and I think as we speak there is still room left in the encore screening. So there are still tickets available. Um, yes. Check it out unless it's sold out, you know, by the time this episode drops or by the time you listen to it. And hey, you might be listening next year and you missed out. And there is like, and the, the beauty of these screenings is that there'll be a massive contingent of cast and crew there. So uh, yeah, get along. If you do want to, uh, if you do love the film and you want to chat to them afterwards, you certainly can. All right, let's have a listen. And then coming up will be the boneheads to chase it. Jay, Lisa, also to be chatting. How are you both? Yeah, we're great. Thank you. How are you guys going? Yeah, doing good. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this one. Um, <laughs> God only knows how the Q&A at MonsterFest is going to go. That'll be interesting. But I'll start by saying congratulations on scoring the closing night spot because I can't think of a better way to cap off the festival. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so pretty much. exciting. Yeah. I did, um, I, I did what I now call a Harold Holt and I pissed myself watching this movie. Like, it's gut-bustingly funny. It's wrong in all of the right ways. So congratulations. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's- <laughs> interesting anyway <laughs> yeah you, you're a, you're a freaky bunch of people um this movie joins the ranks of like some really great aussie comedies that have rewritten history you know uh stuff like wilsenberg young einstein ned that was one that came to mind um who conceived the idea for emu war and what convinced you to sort of turn it from a web series into a film so our friend we've all we all met doing um stand-up comedy in melbourne and um, our friend Jonathan Schuster in 2015 um, came to us with the idea and we thought it would be a really fun way to do like all sorts of crazy jokes and stuff. And I don't know, just started developing it with him. We developed it into like six minute short film, which was pretty, which is too bad for us to put out. And so then we cut that, <laughs> in, <laughs> we cut that into a trailer. Um, and um put that online and then and then that went okay and so then we developed you know we developed it with screen australia and that's sort of the story about how things got got going yeah and i think with the proof or with the trailer the original sort of proof of concept trailer it was became very clear that there's like a really big audience for this Mm -hmm. um people were just so into the idea and um so many comments about people just like oh i would just love to see this and so i guess that gave us a lot of like encouragement that this was a great idea to run with and Mm -hmm. um and then again from our actual trailer that just came out you can see that again still just so many people are just kind of just love the concept and um Mm -hmm. so it's yeah i think it's it was definitely something worth pursuing which i'm glad we did so the if i'm not mistaken the web series never saw the light of day like it ended up being reserved for the film is that correct yeah, so essentially the the web 
it went as a web series and then there was some interest to turn it into a film and basically it's it's the story was always um it was always the narrative it wasn't just like little snippets um yeah. so it kind of works just fine as a as a full film um sure. so it was just a some tweaking in the edit but it was it's pretty much the same story as we were going to have as as the web series i'm just i'm just curious when you come up with something like this and you're sitting there with the with the kind of bare bones of the script do you go kind of scene by scene and go how can we take this to the extreme like with every because i mean it's pretty non-stop with the like you know, there's no there's no there's no like i don't want to say there's no point where it's grounded in reality where it, where it is but it it's just so like like every scene is 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 hilarious um, well, I think it helps that the writers are all comedians. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of, I mean, we, you know, we did writers' rooms and it was like, it was just sitting around a table throwing ideas out and, yeah. and kind of everyone going, like, can we do that? That's a bit nuts. And then. How do people get it? How would someone break out of prison? <laughs> like, they have to have sex and it's so hot that the bars melt you know it's like <laughs> it's, it's like yeah how long was pretty soon just like floating yeah, out, you know it's yeah. just like it's pretty organic all of the ideas yeah. it's just sort of like um i mean admittedly since watching the film i think to myself now in every situation what would the horniest man in australia do oh, don't start me on <laughs> alan oh my god <laughs> that's better than schuster so um yeah, he was he the best role for himself yeah. my god yeah like I, i'm gonna be quoting that guy for years i reckon <laughs> um so look i mean the thing is i i was amazed because i've been watching your videos for years like your online stuff and i didn't even realize that you were involved with sort of emu war until i saw all of you start popping up i'm like oh my god i've been watching these guys for so long so it makes sense how you've got everyone involved in a movie like this but Speaking of people like investors like Screen Australia and things like that, how do you convince them with material that's so crass and edgy? Like, are they on board from the start? Are they worried about you know sensitivities in the in the market and all that kind of stuff? Um, well, they've been so supportive. Um, I think, I mean, I think they're, that they're just open to kind of comedy, and it's like, I know some of it is a bit out there, but it's but it's all in good fun, and you know, yeah. I don't think we're offending anybody i don't think anybody's gonna be like severely like that was you know it's it's like it yeah. goes on the edge for sure and we talked a lot of with them about treading the line and i think there are a few things that we had in the original scripts that kind of there was like the conversations like oh is this a bit maybe this isn't maybe this is going a bit far or something you know so i think we did tone some stuff back from the original from the script and maybe maybe in the edit we lost a couple of things but yeah. all in all it was um there's a scene that i don't want to give any spoilers but there's a scene with a with a ghost and um <laughs> it's kind of on and the that was like uh, a discussion yeah the yeah. people from screen australia were like we really strongly want it to go and we were like we're, we're, we're passionate about this and we need it in there and then they let us have it in there so yeah. i was like you know, they're, yeah they're, so they've been so good yeah. I, yeah i always wonder if those meetings are kind of like uh so you've got in the script that the queen emu is going to have six boobs <laughs> is there any room to move and you're like well like, we can go four <laughs> but how about two? no it needs to at least <laughs> you can't have a like, human now. it's got to be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a I thing think... it's, it's of degrees yeah yeah 
that's kind of the, that's kind of the way it goes, really. Like, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it is comedy, and and it is our kind of comedy. And I think because we've been doing stuff for a while now, it's our style and kind of voice is is becoming fairly clear. So therefore, it's like if we didn't do this kind of stuff, it would be too off brand, you know. Like this is what yeah. people are expecting, and so it's kind of um, I guess that's why. It was like, well, if if it gets too pulled down, then it's not really letting us do, you know, what we want to do creatively, which I think is the point to like support the artists to be al- be allowed to do the kind of comedy that they, you know, are trying to do. So, um, yeah, we've been very lucky with the support there. And, and we were shocked when 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 they when they approved when they approved it. Yeah. As well, we <laughs> like when we got the call, we were like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, was, I have to imagine that the original submission it's like you know johnny depp when he came up with the captain jack sparrow makeup and stuff and he went like he went to a 10 expecting them to pull him back to what he yeah. actually wanted and then, yeah. Like, I believe yeah they said yes to all of this yeah. 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 i mean to be fair we did spend years on that application so i mean yeah. we definitely worked hard to get to get the yes yeah. but um yeah i think it's it's a good show of like you know, being, yeah, just being allowed to like kind of express the I, comedy in this yeah. show. Yeah. I think we're through to, we've t- ticked over year six of like, like work being spent on this project. Yeah. And we're not finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time's ticking. <laughs> um, I mean, I know we're focused a little bit on the outrageousness of it because, and I think that's the best selling point of the film to be, to be honest. Um, and as well as all of your mates that you've got, the comedians, you've got like Damien Kellinan is in there as well, and he's fantastic. And I don't think there's anything more tragic than a bloke losing his um, wobble board. That that just sort of broke my heart right from the start. <laughs> but um, you know, the fact that you do have a few people in there that are not you know regulars to your work, uh, was it did, was there anything they weren't willing to do, or was it just it, in everyone in right from the get go? There were things that that our actors were willing to do that I was truly shocked. Like, <laughs> like just such troopers. I think everybody was, yeah. Um, we, yeah. we, to not give too much away, but there's like, yeah, Damien's sort of like, boy, he been his like late fifties. Yeah, he's he's been amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like considering how ridiculous the show is. Like oiled, like you know, sort of oiled him up. And like had him <laughs> shot for way too long doing like a, like yeah, a, two like a really great things. The sex what scene. oiled up yeah. as well. Yeah, they're all oiled <laughs> up. Very steamy. It was very hot in that studio. And we're like coming up with different positions and stuff. And we're like, <laughs> we got enough. We can move on, sort of. And he was really great about yeah. it. He was like, we really put him through the like. He told me. He told me he's he sometimes gets sore knees, and I was like, there is an un. There's an ungodly amount of kneeling his character. <laughs> <laughs> all this like such legend. Stuff. Like, He's such a legend, you know. Yeah. Just to like you know, just to be part of such a small, like little stupid movie, you know. Yeah. It's, like, it's such it's, a show of like how how good these guys' sense of humors are, really. Like, um, there was nothing that anybody was like, Oh, that's too much, or I don't want to do it. It was like everyone was just open to is like, is this gonna make it funnier? yes then let's do it like which is a great vibe on set and um yeah there were some days where it was just like a lot of laughing what was the hardest thing to shoot in terms of keeping a straight face great question well for me there was there's a scene where we're in this the cell Mm. and i'm explaining why i can't be part of the orgy 
and, um, <laughs> and John Campbell, our other director, and Jay were just yelling some lines at me, like "Try this, try this," and they were just getting more and more ridiculous. And I don't, if you, I don't know if you remember that scene, but there's a lot of it does end up in the edit, but there's heaps that doesn't, and I could not <laughs> straight face. Like, mm. Yeah, that, and the kissing for warmth. Was, yeah, yeah, the kissing for warmth. We were all laughing. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> That's a great scene. And in in sort of elaborating on that, like, do you each have a favourite gag in the film that's that's not a spoiler? Hmm. I got to say, for me, it's probably the bro moment with the bush tucker. That whole gag was brilliant, oh, right. um, yeah. and and obviously Alan's intro just had me in stitches. <laughs> I, know, I love those two. Yeah, God, I'm just trying to think what my what my favourite is. Yeah. Um, I really, I don't know. I really like that. I really like uh, the sort of the. I don't. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a spoiler, but there's there's stuff there's stuff to do with um the 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 dead son's foreskin, which um, <laughs> which uh, I don't you know, I don't want to give away too much. I don't think that's a spoiler in and of itself, like because that sort of you know doesn't oh, say yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people who listen to uh, our podcast who are only listening listening to it because of the constant references to uh, Dead Boys Foreskin. So yeah, yeah, that, uh, that, oh, yeah, that, I yeah. Um, damn it, that was that's nah, that probably... <laughs> true because the, the way you were describing the jail escape before, that's how we warm up for a show. So yeah, yeah. 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 is it ten a.m.? Yeah, screwed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, oh, it's hard. Yeah, I love it all. Uh, it's all good stuff. <laughs> Get along. Yeah. Let's see. Look, we were watching some last night, just kind of going, trying to like prepare ourselves for what people are going to react to. And um, I'm still crying. Like, and I, I've watched it all a hundred times. So, um, yeah, I hope people like it. <laughs> I, I don't doubt they will. Um, and like it's obviously been as you explained a long and grueling process to get the movie to this point and then get it over the line. But um have you thought about what's next for you or is it too soon for that? Yeah, we've been thinking about what's next, but we, we're, we have like lots of ideas and none have like jumped through the picket line yet. So yeah, right. Yeah. I think, I think um, um, I think Goxie needs his own movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've had the Coca-Cola kid. He could be the big M kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm well, so shocked that he hasn't I been mean, sponsored by Big M yet. He missed out on the lead role in the Shannon Warren biopic. Yeah, like <laughs> should have been in that. Should have been yeah. that. I mean, he should be in everything. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. Probably be well, him. Probably hopefully. something with him and all the other people that are yeah. in everything. But yeah, for sure. Nice to be able to kind of, um, you know, just get all the people that have been, you know, for we've been making stuff for years, and it's nice to be able to kind of grab all those people and put them in a film so but it's at this point as well it's quite like daunting just the idea of going like you start writing stuff and you go god do i want to live with this for the next <laughs> six years yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it's true a good, it's, it's a good way to filter out the ideas though like you yeah, exactly. come up with 20 ideas and you go do i want to do i want to spend 20 years on this biopic of harold holt well if he kills himself <laughs> all the time maybe i do <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, we'll, we'll wrap things up in a minute, but yeah, I just want to say congratulations. And this is a film, like as Ben will attest, after I watched it, I couldn't stop like referencing it. And right now I'm just tempted to just quote it and reference it all the way through. Like it just really tickled my, tickled my fancy. And, um, 
yeah, I'm probably going to go back and watch it again at Monster Fest. So, congrats. Oh, thank you so much. I love so hearing that. Yeah, I do want to ask, both Glenn and I, uh, we've only seen a work in progress print. Yes. And and it's also like I'm also one of the programmers for Monster Fest. Oh, cool! Uh, funnily enough, and that's that's the, it's the same print we watched. And the question has come back every time: is like the guys in blue. Like, are you going to keep those guys in there? Because it, it actually it's, it, 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 there's something lot. about that that really. <laughs> it, sometimes it's hilarious, like watching them with that. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. we're not, we're not. But there was a point like where the other day where like um, there's a chase scene with Goxie and an emu and. And there was a shot of the blue guy. We need to get him out. And I feel like it's you were like, guy. oh, maybe we'll keep him in. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so hard to know. Pops people. up just very briefly. You're just oh. like, is that funny? Yeah. Like if, if you do a like a, an alternative previews cut and put it on the DVD or something like that, like I'm sure people would love yeah. that as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. We do want to do one of those, you know, before and after VFX. Like, cuts. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Awesome. yeah, those bits were ridiculous. But yeah. Well. Thanks so much for the time to have a chat with us. It's a thrill. Um, I'm, I, I want to own this film. I want to show it to everybody and I can't get enough of it. Oh, thank you, thank so, you much. so much, guys. Lovely to chat to you. Yeah, hopefully see you. Oh, I'm sure I'll see you at MonsterFest. Yeah, no definitely. Doubt. Incredible, thanks. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We lost somebody that we really, really loved having on the show, Jeff Burr. And we're going to take a few moments to talk about some of our favorite movies. And if you all don't mind, I'm going to go first because I'm already talking. Yeah, I saw The Stepfather 2 before I ever saw the first Stepfather. In fact, I don't think I actually watched the original Stepfather directed by Joseph Rubin until a few years ago. And The Stepfather Part 2 has a special place in my heart. I don't know why. It's not as good as the original, but once again, Jeff Burr gets something out of nothing in it. And plus it has Terry O'Quinn and Meg Foster. We found out when we interviewed Jeff Burr that Meg Foster was not his original choice and he always thought she was slightly miscast. But I always loved her in the movie because I always loved Meg Foster's eyes. And then I have a story about later meeting Meg Foster and finding out that, bless her sweet lady, batshit nuts. So, who wants to go next? I go? can go. Um, honestly, and, and we got a great story when we interviewed Jeff Burr, and I'll never forget it, and, and bless him for doing our show. Um, but if you know me at all, I love Vincent Price. I love Vincent Price, everything. And I believe it was the second film he directed was From a Whisper to a Scream, uh, which starred Vincent Price. And it's also a throwback to those old wraparound story films where you got th you it, normally it's three. He does four yeah. short stories with a wraparound and it's Vincent Price plays the historian that's telling the stories and, and all of that. And it's just, it's a classic throwback to stuff I used to watch with my father. We watched the ones from the fifties and sixties and I loved in seventies and I loved them. So I, it had a soft spot in my heart anyway, but and then Vincent Price on top of it, it it was it's it's something that means a lot to me, and so you know it's if you've never seen it, it's not going to change your view of cinema, but if you do love those old Hammer films that did that wraparound storyline and stuff like that, you should see from a whisper to a screen. Yep, Chad. Okay, um, I am admittedly a huge Puppet Master fan. Um, I loved every single. I was always always I was always at the video store. I had my little magazine that said when movies got released and whenever I saw a Puppet Master movie was coming out, 
I was at the video store that Saturday renting it so I could watch it over the weekend over and over again. And Jeff Burr's additions to Puppet Master, Puppet Master 4 and 5, are probably by far my two favorite Puppet Master films. And when we got the opportunity to talk to him, admittedly, I didn't know he did the Puppet Master films. And when it when it when I did my research, I was like, oh no, he did Puppet Master 4 and 5. And then we got to talk to him and hear stories about that. I was beyond giddy. I always, again, I always hold those movies fondly to me. And with him passing, it's kind of a, it's one of those holes that, you know, it's, it's, it's there. And, but I still have his movies to go back and look at. Uh, in fact, I'll probably be watching Puppet Master 4 this weekend. Um, thinking about Jeff. So or, it, it's on the never, plan. Yeah. We never got to meet you. COVID killed a lot of what we wanted to do. Sorry yeah. about that. Well, we Mission. never got to go hang out. All right. This has been a very serious unfortunately bonehead weekly hold on i'll let's end it on this there we go and with that we bid you fondue adieu adieu good on the boneheads there uh a tribute to jeff burr fantastic for them to get that in in a timely fashion because um we can't pay tribute enough to the great man and that is definitely sad but please subscribe to the bonehead weekly podcast Uh, find them everywhere you get podcasts but do find them on YouTube and Facebook, you can watch them. It's good. It's good. And and those weekly uh, fun size segments they do for us, their videos on their YouTube as well. So you can go watch them isolated. You don't need us. You don't no. need us. You can just watch them. Now it's time to recommend some movies. I went down the Aussie comedy road here and I mentioned Bill Bennett before because we spoke about the nugget. He made a movie that I had forgotten about. I watched this many times on VHS. 1994, Spider and Rose. Yeah, right. Well, I remember thinking this was uh, uh, like a... Um, oh, not Harold and Maud. Harold and Maud. Yeah. I remember thinking it was an Australian Harold, Harold and Maud. It is basically an Australian Harold yeah, and Maud. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Which was going to be my next <laughs> one. I've, I've never seen it. The long way. So. We, we got there. <laughs> but yes, uh, this is a film I really, really do recommend. It is on YouTube for free, so go and check it out. It's a pretty good version of it there. But Ruth Cracknell, Simon Bossell, and Max Cullen star. Bill Bennett writes and directs. And... The, the story is simple. It's a road movie. It is about a 21-year-old paramedic that has to drive an elderly woman from her hometown in an ambulance um, on his last day of the job, right? So he doesn't want to do it. He's a cocky sort of drug-using um, Ambo, and she's a fuddy-duddy old woman. But they clash, and, you know, as these kind of movies do, and you'd predict um, they do become good friends by the end of it through a series of... Um, situations let's say sexy situations uh, there's there is there's full nudity on ruth cracknell's part mm. they share a naked bath together and she gets it all, all off out. but it and look, oh man. arthur <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> um, it is a really really beautiful <laughs> film um it's as much a drama as it is a comedy in fact i've heard bill bennett say he doesn't consider it a comedy because it's more a him it's his take on how you treat the elderly you know, it's a message, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it is a comedy. You watch it and they I just crack anyone, jokes and it's funny. And The reality is anyone who lives with an elder, mm. an older relative or has to deal with an older older person on yep. a regular basis, really the best way to deal with them is with a shovel to the back of the head <laughs> and a shallow bush grave. I don't think I'm talking out of turn. Well, that um, there's plenty of opportunity for that in this film. <laughs> what, what amuses me the most, particularly watching it now, many years after last seeing it, is how times have changed because... What's considered old then 
is not considered old now. So Ruth Cracknell is in this film. She's like they treat her like a geriatric, has to go into a nursing home, all this kind of stuff. She's only seventy. Yeah. And in today's world, seventy is still jogging around Albert Park Lake. Like yeah, that's <laughs> it's just it's when you retire. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's a full blown geriatric apparently, and according to everyone else. And the funniest thing, which made me feel really fucking old, was her son is like saying things like. Jesus Christ, Mum! We need to put you in a home. I'm almost forty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and I are well past that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's alarming. <laughs> when you watch movies, movies are such a load of shit. When it really comes down to, because when you watch them and you're like, you know, people are you know getting drunk because their life is over by the time they turn thirty and stuff, mm-hmm. and you're like, I mean, I remember when I turned thirty, and it was I just I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I still felt like I was in school. Yeah, I felt like I like I literally just got out of high school. But I think that I think there's been a definite shift though between the mm. generations because I think seventy was old once upon a time. Like the you know the mortality rates changed yeah. and thanks to Botox. I think really <laughs> Botox and makeup has made it. Maybe healthy lifestyles have something to do with it as well. I don't know. No, I don't think so. No, all right. Well, anyway, so Spider and Rose, check it out. Ruth Cracknell's never been better. Perhaps in Mother and Son, she's quite better in that, but. She, yeah, she's good in Emerald City. No one mentioned that in the Australian comedy section either. No, they either. didn't. But I just like I realized how much I missed her when I was watching it. Like, there's no yeah. one quite like her since. Mm. Um, anyway, some of Bill Bennett's films just quickly. Backlash is one that I really love. He made that beforehand. He did uh, Two If by Sea in the Savage Land, Uninhibited, the uh, Dear Cardholder. He's done so many movies, and he's got a new one coming out called The Way My Way. Right with um, who was in that one? Can't remember. Chris Haywood, I think. Right. But do you is remember Chris Haywood still? Is it Chris Haywood? Yeah, he is, I think. Um, but do you remember the Martin Sheen movie The Way with Emilio Estevez directing about the El Camino pilgrimage? No. Okay, well, that was a fantastic film made about 10 years ago. This is the same story, The Way, but My Way. So it's Bill Bennett did the same pilgrimage. Right. Did it in real life, wrote a book about it, and now he's turned it into his own film. So, Yeah, right. Interesting title, though. The, the Martin Sheen film is The Way, and Bill Bennett's is The Way, My Way. Anyway. Just uh, destined to be instantly forgettable with titles <laughs> like that. You're like, what That's was right. that one? I've never, I don't know what that film's about. Should have been the other way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, your recommendation, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. Well, I'm going to recommend a movie. I'm going to do it a bit differently. Okay. Uh, on close, the floor? On the closing night. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the closing night of Monster <laughs> Fest, the closing day, we're playing a documentary called mm. We Kill for Love, and that is my recommendation. It, it's a, a documentary all about... 90s erotic thrillers. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> but I spent a lot of time watching uh, 90s erotic thrillers. <laughs> I sure did. Uh, because, you know, they were often better than porn. Dangerous Game was a favourite of mine. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of uh, A Woman Scorned, which, or they just call it, uh, scor- it's, it's got a different title. Like in, in the US, it wasn't, uh, it was just called like A Scorned Woman or mm. something oh, like that. Body of Evidence? Body of it. I mean, look, I remember seeing Basic Instinct at a friend's house. He <laughs> borrowed it. His parents just were like, oh, you can borrow it whatever you and want. The VHS was wound down in that. And, well, <laughs> it got all fuzzy in that I, part. I tell you what, it was fucking awkward because what do you, you know, there's <laughs> three of us watching it in his bedroom. <laughs> and you're like, well, what do you do with your boner? Like, it's fucking, <laughs> it's awkward. Pillow? Is it, yeah, and you but like his pillow. It's <laughs> fucking not. It's not like yeah. And this is a teen boys' room. It's not a teen girls' room. Where Sounds like, like a great opportunity for a circle five, jerk to me. Five, uh, five, you know, five throw pillows and a, a bunch of soft toys that you can hide behind. It's just jizz rags everywhere. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, at least the, cardboard stiff socks. At least you weren't having the same reaction to like double impact or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awkward. Cool surface. Do you remember cool surface? That was that was famous because Terry Hatcher was going to get her tits out in them. You kind of didn't, you know. But all of these film, all of these films are covered in this. Um, yep. And it is a fast. It's so by, it's, it's by doing something differently, you mean promoting? Yeah, but yeah. I'm also, but it is a recommendation. Excellent. I have seen it. Yep. I can recommend it. Why not? And I'm telling you where you can see it. Excellent. It's, exactly, That's, it's, it, it's the most useful recommendation we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it has legitimately. All the hallmarks of a recommendation. <laughs> it is great. It's directed by uh, Anthony Penta. <laughs> uh, I believe it is getting a, or at least in the US, it's getting some kind of a VOD release. Mm-hmm. I don't know about here. I would love to be able to convince someone <laughs> like Umbrella or Imprint yeah. to do a 90s erotic thriller box set. Oh. That would be Needs phenomenal. A little glory hole at the back. Yeah, just that's what it cu- comes in a toilet stall with a, <laughs> with a hole in it. It's just a brown box it's with a not, hole. No, it's, no, that's little velvet curtains at the front. That's gross. These films are legitimate. It's like a Punch and Judy show. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I mean, I haven't seen it. I, I, I want to. It, Andrew Stevens. They, they talk to Andrew Stevens problem, a lot. There's one big glaring problem with this, though. Yeah. Boners in the cinema. Well, <laughs> you come along. I have bought a whole bunch of raincoats to give out to people. Excellent. So should they need a bit of coverage? Unfortunately, the raincoats are see-through. So <laughs> it's, you yeah. should have bought people little boxes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but there's popcorn. You can do the popcorn yeah, trick. That's true. The cinema, the cinema brings supplies its own popcorn. Nice salty treat. There we go. Another yeah. show in the bag. Mid Monster Fair show. The most difficult of all shows. <laughs> it is, it's been a bit of a bastard to arrange this one, that's for sure. But must thank um, Lisa Feinberg and Jay Morrissey for coming and having a chat to us about the Emu War. Go and check it out at MonsterFest. Go to the MonsterFest website and check out everything that's on the calendar. Yeah, just go to MonsterFest. Yeah, just go to MonsterFest. <laughs> just rock up and say, what's playing? Yeah. I don't care. I want it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And give me some of that popcorn. <laughs> Pick up a t-shirt too Yeah, use up a t-shirt And if you see us there, just avoid, please yeah. <laughs> We don't need to talk to you We don't We don't really believe you exist A little <laughs> nod and a wink to let us know you know who we are Yeah That'll do Yeah, just just stare Just make eye contact a little too long But then just go about yeah. your day and, and while you're watching the movie, look at us Yeah <laughs> Hey, stare at us the whole time. They're a good movie Monday, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what do they think of the movie? <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. All right, time to wrap it up. Uh, you know what to do. Go to goodmoviemonday.com. Go to our socials, like, subscribe, share, comment, all that stuff. We want to interact with you. It would be fun. We'll put out another question this week for the next show. I love that we just spent two minutes saying, talking about how we don't want to interact with them. And then online, 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 online yeah, different. in real life. But online, we want to interact. With That's them. right. <laughs> you don't know who you're getting if it's Good Movie Monday responding. You don't know who it is. What is it? We're here to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a song from the Reckless Kelly soundtrack. This is Faith by the Dukes. It's a good one. And um, I'll see you at the fest, mate. And I'll see you everyone next week. Bye.
the sky.